My Steve, they whacked him. They whacked Steve. <laughs> I want to read you the... Like, that section of his speech goes on so long. Like, he gives a minute-by-minute minute account of Steve Scalise... Getting, getting shot, shot. It's, it's and he didn't actually get whacked because whacked would imply that he was <laughs> he was killed and he lived yeah yeah i mean this is prose out of like noir yeah like he said um a man who is braver than me and braver than all of us is in this room he got whacked he got whacked my steve right i went to the hospital with our great first lady that night and we saw a man that was not going to make it he was not going to make it i said she loves you why because she was devastated. A lot of wives wouldn't give a damn. I don't know what this... Like, he's talking about Steve Scalise's wife, but it's like out of nowhere. Do you see how he segues into that? That's so weird that he just said a lot of wives wouldn't give a damn. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Trump because... is so used to his wives hating him. <laughs> and he thinks most wives just absolutely hate their husbands. That's exactly right. <laughs> Most what if I was to get shot, Melania, she wouldn't care. <laughs> She'd have a new one next week. <laughs> a lot of wives wouldn't give a damn. I would say, how is he doing? She couldn't even talk. She was inconsolable. Most wives would say, not good. I'm going home now. The doctor came in and the wife was a total mess. <laughs> she was really devastated. It really looked like he had a 20, 25% chance. I think you set a record for blood loss. <laughs> My God, there's people that have bled out and still live. You know what I mean? Like, I'm fucking, I think you set a record for blood loss. <laughs> and Steve Scalise, I actually, honestly, I think you're better looking there. You're more handsome there. You weren't that good looking. You look good now. He looks better now. Can you believe it? I don't know what the hell that is. Better now. What a guy. He was practicing for the baseball game against, I guess, the Democrats, right? And this whack job started shooting. Hurt Rogers. I don't know if Rogers is here, but hurt a number of people. But really hurt Steve. He <laughs> <laughs> was the second baseman, and he went down, and it was terrible. I saw the whole thing, and it was terrible. Fortunately, you had two brave policemen <laughs> with you because of your high position in Congress. <laughs> You had two policemen, and they were amazing. The man and the woman, and they came. They didn't have rifles. They were supposedly a pretty good sharpshooter with equipment, and all they had was a gun. They started coming in from the outfield shooting. They were so far away that a handgun is not preferred. This guy has the rifle, and he's hitting people. He was going to move up, and there was no outs. The entrance was a single entrance way on the other side from where he was. I'm telling you, dude. <laughs> well, if you know, it would have been even funny if he had said, it's the bottom of the third. We're up two runs on him. <laughs> That's what he makes it sound got, like. Got a guy on third in, in scoring position. He's doing color commentary yeah. for the shooting of Steve Scalise. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's doing. <laughs> the entrance was a single entrance way on the other side from where he was. So everyone ran into the dugout. But Steve was hit really bad in the stomach with a bullet that rips you apart. It rips you apart. And these two people came charging forward. And one of them, you know who? Him? Got the shooter. Hit him. 
and then got him, <laughs> killed him from a long distance. It was amazing. If you didn't have those two people, you could imagine, right? You could imagine what would happen. So Melania and I went to the hospital that night. This is in a speech about his impeachment acquittal. <laughs> It is the most unhinged thing. It's still going on. Melania and I went to the hospital that night, and he was in such bad shape, and he's been working ever since so hard. Six months ago, they had a baseball game at the Nationals Park. I was watching on television. It's a game. You want to win it, right? And Steve is at second base. The poor guy can't even walk. Remember Bob Richardson of the New York Yankees? He was known for range. Bob Richardson is the second player. This was not Steve Scalise. This was not Steve Scalise. This was not Steve Scalise. He had no range. I don't know who put you on the field. This is a true story. So the game starts. So how's that? <laughs> I don't even fucking know. So he's dissing the guy that takes Steve's place, his baseball so. skills. I think so. So you're no Steve Scalise. No Steve Scalise. No Steve. Steve, he can throw a guy off me. We're on the field. You, not so much. Not so much. No. <laughs> so the game starts in the first pitch. Steve is standing at second base, and the guy is in really bad shape. And I said, this is terrible. A shot, ground ball shot, is hit to second. I didn't have time to think too much, but I said, this is not good. That ball is going toward him. And this guy stopped that ball, caught the ball. He's now laying down. He throws the ball to first base. He gets him out. I said, it's the most incredible thing I've ever... I've never seen anything like it, right? And then there's a... a Wait, hold on a second, hold on a second, hold on a second. No Did Steve Scalise play in the game after he got shot? I have no idea, dude. I, do, I literally don't know. It kind of sounds like he's went to a Nationals game... <clears throat> And then had oh, like a, a oh like after he's recovered maybe or that Trump went to a Nationals game and had like a fugue state where he was like it's just like the ball game it's just like that that day that violent day when people were screaming and Steve was laying on the ground <laughs> I don't fucking know what he's talking about this is insane Dave uh, so and then the people applaud him because he goes right and then the people in the crowd applaud him and he gets him out and they then and then they took him out of the game which was a very wise thing because you could never do that again in a hundred years but you weren't going to let that ball go through so I guess Steve Scalise may have been at a Nationals game I have no idea dude I don't care if it was hit by the greatest of all time. That ball wasn't going through because you're a warrior, Steve. You are fantastic. You and Liz and Kevin, what a group. I got lucky. I got lucky because you need the right people. If I had the wrong people there, it may be a different story. Maybe we would be celebrating something else, but I really want to thank you, Steve Scalise and Elise Stefanik. I just read this story. Uh, Anyways, that's where the Steve Scalise story ends. (laughs) It took at least five minutes in a speech about the impeachment acquittal. Oh my god, dude. (laughs) I still have no fucking clue what he was describing. This is the guy who the Democrats lost to in 2016. This man who who basically just details... In fragments, like a very like wild thing that happened. Was Trump even there? I don't think he was. He couldn't have been he's there. No fucking way. If I listen, here's the thing though. You know, if you got somebody that's unhinged, is going to go let off some rounds. You're not going to go for Steve Scalise if Donald Trump's there. No. You know what I'm saying? No. Exactly. You're not going to opt. I was there, saw the whole thing. <laughs> Everybody else took to the dugout. They ran to the dugout. Right. It's like if Hitler was there and like some 
<laughs> I like this image of everybody just crowding in the dugout. And Scalise just like bleeding out on second base. <laughs> and Trump is just sitting there watching it just all. Just watching it all oh, unfold. Oh, man, this is crazy. Not good. Not good, folks. <laughs> Look at Steve. He's dying. <laughs> <laughs> He's dying. He's got, someone's got to go help him. <laughs> Dude, I mean... <laughs> Nobody really knows what he was talking about. Like when he started talking about the Nationals Park, nobody that that nobody knows what the hell he's talking about there. Uh, look, un- <laughs> you cannot convince. There is only one person who is even within, pardon my pun here, the the ballpark of being able to beat this asshole when it's Bernie. <laughs> Because he actually has coherent thoughts and convictions and is not completely corrupt. My God, dude. Like, this is who the Democrats lost to. Hillary Clinton, widely considered, not widely considered, (laughs) amongst her own people considered the greatest politician of her generation. And she found a way to to lose lose to... Most amazing thing I've ever seen was a shot was hit to second base and Stevie wasn't my Stevie wasn't gonna let it get through him. I think you set a record for blood loss, folks. Oh my God. <laughs> I think you set a record for blood loss. Oh Jesus, dude. She lost to Donald. My Stevie set a record for blood loss Trump. <laughs> oh my god. The good news is these assholes are done. They really are done. You mean the Democrats? The Democrats are done. They have to be done. They have to be done. Well, I mean, dude, they put on a master class in dipshittery. Dipshittery. <laughs> the they could not have fucked that up if they tried, but worse if they tried to. I mean, at every level, they fucked it up. From the initial withholding of the vote and the quality control to the shadow app in acronym, to 62% or 68%. For for, five fucking days. (laughs) To today, Tom Perez saying we want to re-canvas. Let's re-canvas a caucus, mind you. (laughs) How do you re-canvas a fucking caucus? Everybody, come back out. You know what I mean? I've been la- everybody. Only people that showed up to vote, though. Hey. Nobody else. I guess a re-canvas. I don't even. Yeah, how the fuck would you re-canvas a caucus? I guess, in a sense, I guess you could just go back over the results, like from the different precincts or whatever. But like, <laughs> I don't see how that gets you anywhere. The funny thing about this Tom Perez stuff is, apparently, he did not tell the Iowa Democratic Party that he wanted to re-canvas before tweeting about it, which says so much, really. He's just as online as the rest of us. (laughs) But also, I guess they did this because the Buttigieg campaign had called in and made more complaints. They're just fucking whining more because in the last 12 hours, we're recording this at like uh, fucking two, three on uh, the sixth. I guess like last night, Bernie started to finally, you know, we all knew he was fucking winning. He right. finally started to surge. Right. The numbers actually finally started to bear that out. Yeah. And so little, um, little Mayor Pete, the little rat, just started freaking the fuck out and put in a few calls to the DNC like, oh, Tom. To CIA. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it's just fucking incredible. You know, the only thing they've got left in their repertoire is that, like, maybe trying to assassinate Bernie or something like that. And they'll just fuck that up hilariously <laughs> and, end up, and end up fucking doming Mayor Pete. <laughs> like, now who? Now what? <laughs> What's our shot? Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> You're absolutely right. They're so fucking incompetent. They can't do anything right. I mean, I don't know. Like, as as soon as all this started to happen, I feel like I've been cackling for 24 hours yeah. or 36 or 48 hours. But as soon as this started happening, I was getting strong Epstein vibes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in the sense, like, oh, they're really going to try to get this over on us. <laughs> they're yeah. really going to try to get this one over on us but the difference between this and epstein is that this is actionable we're like, it's like the epstein we are helpless we all know that it's a farce and there's nothing we can do about it yeah we all know that they did it in front of our eyes and that they are going to get away with it but th- <laughs> th- this is different this is different because it's actually it's actionable you know what i mean yeah. like we can actually turn people out right and help Bernie win yeah we can make it harder for them to try to fuck right yeah. whereas like the criminal justice system is like siloed off and it's undemocratic democratic yeah. the best we can hope for is getting bernie in there to open up an investigation yeah the epstein business <laughs> but i swear to god man this i mean it is just a master class in yeah i mean again you you are reminded over and over again that these are the people that lost to trump yeah <laughs> It's so funny. Everything that they've done for the last four years is just grasping at straws to try to conceal this fact. The the big takeaway from Iowa 2020 is that you should be you should be convinced at this point that Bernie actually won Iowa 2016. Yeah, I mean it's like he lost by like point two percent. Yeah, or something. Yeah, the, the, he won fucking Iowa. He won, he's a two time Iowa winner. That's right. <laughs> It is funny. It's like Elizabeth Kett made that point on Twitter. It's like, oh, remember when Bernie won every county in West Virginia and they still gave the delegates <laughs> yeah. to Hillary Clinton? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, is that this goes to show you, and we talked about this yesterday, is that like the, he either needs to win with just a <laughs> landslide, you know, an overwhelming amount, which is probably probably going to be the case. Right. I mean, who knows? But it seems like there's no fucking way Pete's going to win New <clears throat> Hampshire. And like, well, in fact, Nate Silver's called all the Super Tuesday states for Bernie already. Right. So, like, it's he's, if he wins it in a landslide, we don't even have to fucking worry about the convention. But here's what I want to say. If Bernie wins New Hampshire in a landslide like it's projected... Who else has a path to the nomination? (laughs) There's nobody. There's nobody. Biden is fucking gone. Warren, gone. Gone. Klobuchar, gone. Gone. Buttigieg's not going to win another state. No. I mean, he didn't win Iowa. Let's just say that. Yeah. No, this is like, yeah. There's nobody else. Either bend the knee or just fucking go. Yeah. It's either Buttigieg, you know, doing what he does as a rat, trying to survive the nuclear fallout of this. Yeah. Or Bloomberg just blanketing every fucking state with millions and millions of ads until we're all so fucking brainwashed we don't even know anybody else is in it. (laughs) Yeah. But that's not going to work. It's not going to work. Because if it was going to work, it would have worked for Steyer, who fucking completely collapsed. Our coalition is too strong. Yeah. So no, no. We're about to steamroll this motherfucker. Yeah, we're going to... I'm telling you, I... 
I said it. We're going to pile up skins. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. Yeah. We're about to steamroll these assholes because history is on our side. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But it is funny. It is funny to see them, the, the, the sort of death flail. You know what I mean? It is. I mean, it's either... It's either that they're so incompetent. There's so many things to unpack here. It's either that they're so incompetent and stupid that they can't pull it off right. and then, But I think in that <clears throat> sort of Venn diagram, there's also a small sliver of people who, for their own future careers, have to start hedging their bets now. Yeah. I think this is probably why when Nate Silver and these people are probably doing this now. Yeah, it's like, oh, let's just give it to Martin. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're like, oh, shit, like, Fuck. Well, guess wrong. Because <laughs> they just didn't think this was ever going to be a possibility. You're seeing this. Uh, so on Monday, I created an alt Twitter account just to follow all the worst. Warren, former Hillary people, uh, Buttigieg people, just to follow all the worst assholes. And you're seeing it the way that they are now uh, sort of talking about it. They're like, oh, it's really not helpful for Bernie to come out and say this. Like, what that he's winning? That he's win- that he won. Yeah, <laughs> that he won. Like, like you let every other asshole have carte blanche with that. You let Pete do that before there was even one fucking result exactly. in. But you're going to chastise Bernie yeah. because he's leading by more than sixty five or how six thousand six thousand votes. And he said we got six thousand votes in, in New England where I come from. That's a win. That's a win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's not fucking yeah, wrong. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That's it, the that's the other thing. Even if by some sort of fucking fucked up gorilla math they try to even give this to Pete or something, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Everybody knows the truth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't fucking yeah, matter. Yeah, you can go ahead and take those, you know, that paltry sum of delegates. We'll just go ahead and take the rest of them. It is incredible, though. I mean, I, I, honestly, in some ways I'm I'm surprised, but in other ways it's like this is... what? How else did we think it was going to go? Like... Because we knew Bernie was going to win, but, like, how else did we think that, like, them trying to come around? Because, like, there's the thing. Like, there's these, like, shameless grifters who, like, have to pretend that um, the numbers are there for Buttigieg or whatever. But then there's, like— Here's what I want to know, man. Uh, after the—and I, I don't presume to know how fucking caucus works. And, I, frankly, I think they're weird. I agree. I don't know how—I don't know how you—look, look, let's look at this. First round, <laughs> Buttigieg has like two thousand people less than Bernie. Right. Second round, he gained some ground, but he's still like eighteen or nineteen hundred behind Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, there is by no metric in the world he won. The only one, and it collapsed last night. Yeah. Was the delegate count? Was the delegate count? <laughs> and that fucking collapsed last night. I have no idea how they're going to like. <laughs> I mean, the only way this wins, it's almost like saying the new rules of football are every time your team scores a touchdown, the other t- the other team gets two touchdowns. <laughs> so you want to not score any touchdowns. That's but exactly if you don't score any touchdowns, the person still gets two touchdowns right. every time they score one. Yeah. It is no sense at all. We accomplished some. We accomplished history last night. What did he say? What was his fucking statement on Monday night? We, sh- we have shocked the nation. We've shocked the nation. <laughs> and that's one way to did put it. Did you see that video of him and that reporter? She, was, just, she was like, there's two things in democratic politics. It's money or personality. Bloomberg's got the money. Bernie's got the personality. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, and he's like, well, uh, I like to think that I've got the personality too. And she's like, 
I don't think so. <laughs> nah, nah, <you're... laughs> she tells someone, tell me, you suck, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you whack, bitch. <laughs> like, fucking hilarious. Ah, God, that's hilarious. Dude, I mean, truly, we're in the interregnum where history can't move forward. It's starting to go. It's, it's you know, it's like a, it's like a fucking car you haven't driven in 15 years. And, right. I mean, it's starting to, like... You know, get up off of its fucking... But, like, we are in the interregnum where the monsters are still floating around and, yeah. you know... But, but we are getting to the point where history is about to fucking get a little bit of Nas in its gas tank. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, we're getting to that point. But we're still in this, this the phase where it's, like, <clears throat> we're having to put up with the CIA monsters and people like Tara McGowan and Shadow App and stuff. Man, the funny shit is... Goddamn... All the fucking creepiness people sharing that Will Miniker burn your bus tweet. It just like fucking <laughs> just like pearl clutching and whining and crying about it. And it's just like, you don't even matter anymore. No. You're too stupid to see it. No. You're too stupid to see it. That is the quintessential thing about all these people. They're the smartest people in the room. They did better than us in all the tests and classes and universities. Smartest people in the room. Or, you know, they wrote their dissertations on the. Uh, post-colonialism and neo-colonialism and, and they're the stupidest fucking people you ever. You can imagine. <laughs> and that's why they support... They're not... They, it's not so much that they, they're supporting Warren for their identity politics or that uh, because they, she, they think that she's younger or got a better chance against Trump. It's because they're fucking stupid. Yeah. That's it. They're just politically inept. Yeah. And I'm not telling you that to insult you. I'm telling you that just to like. This is just this is objectively true. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. I saw that tweet that you sent in the group chat. It was like about you know all the professors that you know they've written your their books about colonialism and all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking about Rick Carrick at Moorhead State, or the illustrious institution I attended. <laughs> and this guy, when I had him in class, I was like, I dropped it because it was hard. <laughs> but but when I had him in class, I was like, man, this guy must be very smart. His class is very hard. Yeah. And he's just like on Twitter now and fancies himself like a serious like commentator on these things. And it's like, yeah, he has fuck off followers or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, Bernie Sanders, the worst Democratic candidate ever. And he's like making all these like reasoned like arguments for Hillary Clinton or whoever it is, you know what I mean? And thinks that it just thinks he's got the finger on the pulse and it's just like, I'm sorry, you fucking... You may leave now. You spent too much time studying the problems of the world. You know what your problem is, Rick? You're all brains and not enough cock and balls. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. It spent too much time studying the problems of the world and forgot that there are actually problems in the world, in the present, that people are struggling with yeah. every fucking day. Yeah. And that they'll take whatever history presents to them to to deal some sort of blow or strike against the powers that be. Yeah, and if Howard Dean wants to be all his in between that, <laughs> we'll fucking like eat his fingers off and fucking banish him to the dustbin. I just hate all these fuckers. I'm dude. I'm the same way. It's like, well, it's like it's it's just like they're just transparently corrupt. Yeah. Like Howard Dean's like a like a fucking pharma lobbyist now, or whatever. Right, right, right. It's like, of course, of course, they're corrupt or they're stupid or they think they know what's best. Honestly, I think the main, I think the largest driving impulse for most of these people, this is including Tom Perez. Well, actually, Tom Perez actually I just actually I think he's um stupid. I think Tom Perez is just <laughs> stupid because you know. 
Tom Perez is just a guy that has like he's got the reins and it's just like, oh fuck, what do I do now? Yeah. You know well, what I mean? Someone pointed it out on Twitter. I think Sam Sachs pointed this out on Twitter, which is that um Tom Perez's job literally is to prevent a Bernie nomination. Right, right. And and like it's not even conspiratorial to say that because all of these hacks and dipshits get on MSNBC every day talking about all the shitheads and posers yeah all the shitheads and posers get on msnbc every day talking about taking bernie down so it's not a conspiracy it's not a conspiracy these people are out with that yeah so they're all either shameless grifters or or whatever uh or stupid but i think the largest animating impulse behind all of them is a supreme loathing they would never articulate this themselves i don't think this this includes the professor and it includes Tara McGowan, uh, who I want to get to in a minute, but I think their largest animating impulse is a hatred of mass movements. Oh yeah, they they deeply loathe mass movements, but they, however, are or they they do understand that you do need large numbers of people to vote, and that's why they're so obsessed and fixated on technological innovation and apps and stuff like that. Yeah. Because uh, it's like we were talking about yesterday. It is the Adam Curtis, like people's individuality needs to be remained, you know, intact. Yeah, maintained intact. But like, but they can they still need to be managed on a mass collective scale. Right. Yeah. And so this is what I was thinking about. I brought this up yesterday. Just cursor cursorily. Is that the right word? Cursorily. Cursorily. But I want to go through the the whole profile, and you know what? I figure, fuck it, we'll just put it in our profiles of courage, profiles and courage series because Tara McGowan's getting profiles and courage. <laughs> it's pretty fucking. First funny. off, for, before we go too far down this path, let me bring up. Did you see Mitt Romney's profiles and courage? I did see. It. Yes, I was at the gym when that happened. I was at the gym when it happened, and everybody was crowded around the fucking TV. <laughs> Man, these guys. First off, fuck Mitt Romney anyway. But these guys, like, like you know, the Mavericks, the John McCain's. John McCain's, Mitt Romney's. Here's what they've done to society. They show up when, like, their side is obviously going to win, and then they do this whole, like, I have to be on the right side of history thing right. to protect their own brand. That's right. Knowing full well, like, when the cameras are not watching at that level or whatever, they're just going to go on and do whatever the whole team's doing anyway. <laughs> What what's gonna happen is they're gonna probably run Mitt Romney <clears throat> in 2024 again, you know, because you know it's the same thing with McCain. It's like, yeah. oh, we had eight years of a revanchist, fucking batshit, insane, you know, chauvinistic, you know, right winger. Let's let's get a moderate, and then they'll they're they're fucking done too. They're, I, they're I think, done too. I think they're fucking. They're done, done too. I th- I truly think so. I mean, like, read this speech by fucking Trump. Like, they've got to be fucking <laughs> done, Steve. Your standard, <laughs> your standard bearers said Steve Scalise set a record for blood loss. Okay. Today's profile in Courage. Um, following hot on the heels of Mitt Romney and Rush Limbaugh, who was also given a presidential medal. Presidential medal. medal for a lot of bravery going on this week. When that happened on Monday, that's when I was truly like, it's, it's our time. It. It's, it's our, our time. time now. We won't, we're, we're actually going to win. <laughs> we like the their profit has been finally fucking taken down. It, it, it's a sign. Yeah. It's a sign. I hope so. I hope I'm not getting too optimistic with all this. I mean, that's the problem. We shouldn't get too optimistic. You never know what the fuck's going to happen. 
but but reading this, I was feeling pretty optimistic <laughs> yeah. for several reasons. So this is in Aussie, who which is the infamous, I guess the publication behind the infamous Aussie Fest. Aussie Fest. Yeah, that would make sense. Which I wish I would have been reading more over the course of the show because reading this, I realized like how much. Democratic Party politics converge. I mean, I've known this for years, but it wasn't really clear to me until Aussie Fest how much Democratic Party politics converged with the nonprofit world, and which also converged with Silicon Valley and the tech stuff. I mean, this is all obvious, but I'm sure there was all kinds of disease content on Aussie I was missing out on. So I apologize to the audience. But um, so, as I'm sure you've heard. Um, Actually, it's funny. Okay, so this is in Aussie. Meet the Democrats' most dangerous digital strategist. And so, as I'm sure you've heard, um, in the Iowa caucuses, uh, there was an app where the um, caucus leaders had to report their results back to the Iowa Democratic Party. And there was all kinds of fucking problems with the app. There's a funny video you can actually find online of someone who downloaded the app and is trying to navigate it. Have you seen it? No. Dude, it is fucking crazy. There's an ad that pops up like every 10 seconds for like Candy Crush, an ad that pops up for Pete Buttigieg, you know, all kinds of shit. It's just like had all kinds of bugs, was a complete fucking failure. Yeah. And so the woman behind the app is this woman named Tara McGowan. So at the beginning of this um, profile of her, this is from September 5th, 2019, they had to put a little preface it says, on February 3rd, 2020, the Iowa Democratic caucuses were brought to a screeching halt, in part by the failure of an app produced by Shadow, the political tech company co-founded by Tara McGowan's nonprofit acronym. Below is our profile of McGowan and the risks she was taking with her unconventional model, a model now threatened by the Iowa debacle. <laughs> oh, my God. It's June 26th, the first night of the Democratic debates. So I don't know if you remember this, but... On June 26th, the first night of the Democratic debates, we were sitting in an Airbnb with our fellow Hellfire um, tour mates. Oh, that's right. In uh, Raleigh? Paul, Bla <laughs> Paul Blast was there. Paul Blast was there. Shout out to the whole gang. All the homies were there watching the first night of the Democratic debates. And on the other side of the world, or on the other side of the East Coast, Tara McGowan was sitting in a... Uh, Trendy, An underground lair. <laughs> in a trendy Brixton bar in Washington's trendy U Street neighborhood, um, where none of the Democrats are paying attention to the drama on the screen. Instead, they are circled around Tara McGowan, a weapon of a woman whose innovative tactics make her critically important to the Democratic Party and the biggest threat to the orthodoxy that has made so many left-leaning digital gurus rich in the post-Obama era. This was an excuse to throw an open bar, the 33-year-old brunette quips, promising to keep her speech short. The event is also a birthday party for Acronym, the digital-focused nonprofit she founded in 2017. It feels like we have lived a thousand years in those two years, she admits. <clears throat> Indeed, Acronym has taken hardly any time in breaking the strategy firm ecosystem in the nation's capital. By the end of 2018... It had raised and managed more than $18 million, registered 60,000 voters, run 105 targeted ad campaigns in 15 states, helped elect 63 progressive candidates, and won 61% of the races it invested in. 
Its staff has grown from 5 to 38 and has quickly become one of the go-to digital organizing forces for everyone from Planned Parenthood and Emily's List to Every Town for Gun Safety and the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. And her organization's weekly newsletter, for what it's worth, is the name of it, is becoming a must-read thanks to its smart and illustration-heavy look at how the 2020 campaigns are spending money online. While most digital experts specialize in one tactic— the coordinated campaigns built by McGowan bring all the moving parts, from door-knocking and social media campaigns to digital videos and television ads, under one umbrella. Um, while the Democratic presidential candidates duke it out on the primaries, McGowan is focusing acronyms' efforts on registering voters in Florida, Georgia, Texas, and Arizona. Blah, 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 other states. While the numbers are impressive, what could upend Washington politics entirely is the structure of her organization— Unlike most digital strategists, her operation is what the IRS classifies as a 501c4 nonprofit, meaning a majority of its Ooh, direct lobbying. That's right. Meaning a majority of its funds must be used to promote social welfare. And yet acronym I just want to stop here. The the name acronym like to me is the perfect encapsulation of everything about these people. Like they don't like Everything to them really is an acronym, right? Yeah. Like, they have no souls or personalities or anything. <laughs> like, everything, like, they just see everything in this strictly bureaucratic, technocratic <laughs> sense in terms of acronyms. Right. <laughs> and yet, acronym has a web of for-profit companies beneath it. A, comp- a campaign consulting firm, Lockwood Strategy a political tech company with a peer-to-peer texting product, Shadow, and a media company investing in local left-leaning outlets, FWIW Media, for what it's worth media. In the works is an apparel arm, Rogue Swag, that would be the first... Oh, my God. (laughs) What the fuck is wrong with these people? That would be the first major liberal answer to conservative companies that skirt campaign finance laws... By selling politically branded clothing over Facebook and elsewhere, spreading political messages, messaging without having to report the spending. Uh, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. They should look at uh, big dogs wear for that. (laughs) A lot of political messages going on their stuff. That's right. It means the nonprofit acronym is able to raise money, invest in for-profit companies to advance progressive aims, and then return any profits back into its mission. People don't understand why I'm creating a model that I can't get very rich off of because I don't own the companies. The C4 does, she says, and that's a huge threat to political consultants' bank accounts. <laughs> okay, first of all, she's definitely getting rich. Yeah, off there's, of no there's no about question. There's no question. But second of all, even if she wasn't, it's very clear that what she wants is like influence and social capital right. within this world. Right. Um. Since the 1980s, says journalist Sasha Eisenberg, author of The Victory Lab, The Secret Science of Winning Campaigns, political firms have specialized in selling specific services, phone calls, direct mail, polls, etc. Today, that can mean separate firms for online videos, TV ads, and even paid Facebook outreach. So consultants push for more spending in their individual silos as opposed to McGowan's strategy to fold everything under one umbrella, making winning her chief incentive... (laughs) Oh, my God. Doing really good at it. Uh, what's, I already forgot her name. What's her first name? Tanya. True. Tori? Tara. Tara. Tara McGowan. Um, McGowan has always had a rebellious streak. 
an A student with an attitude, she was kicked out of two private high schools while moving around the Northeast for her dad's corporate job. Her her transgressions (laughs) included writing pro-choice essays in religion class and throwing a party at her parents' house as a sophomore. She's a bad motherfucker. She's like, she's like, <laughs> she's like the archetype of like the John Hughes movie. Like, yeah, you, you know those movies. You're like, oh, my parents are out of town and they throw these huge yeah. parties. Like that doesn't really happen like that in no, real life. No, fuck no, it doesn't. Or happen. if it does, it's like you and four of your buddies in your basement, like drinking like Mag Dog 2020 or some <laughs> bullshit. Five of your guy friends smoking mids, smoking a roach <laughs> no, they smoking found somewhere. P- brick press weed yeah, with right. seeds in it. Yeah. Drinking um, wild Irish rose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, a total badass throwing a party at her parents' house. Um, blah, blah, blah. Tyra, uh, blah, blah, blah. She was inspired to jump into politics by covering Barack Obama in 2008, leading to jobs in Congress. But and, we all fell for that one. <laughs> yeah, can't, can't, can't falter for that. And on the 2012 Obama campaign, so she worked on the 2012 Obama campaign. This this part is what broke me. I think. Oh my god! I knew that we shared two fundamental beliefs. This is they're quoting someone. I'll tell you who. I knew that we shared two fundamental beliefs: that better content yields better results, and that you can't do the same tactic twice. Says kindred soul and punk rock political strategist. Arun Chandrahe, who pushed Obama digital director Teddy Goff to hire McGowan. <laughs> I need to read that again. I knew that we shared two fundamental beliefs, that better content yields better results. <laughs> this is the whole thing behind shadow, the behind the shadow app and acronym. They thought that what won Obama in 2008 was good content and that what won trump in 2016 was good, good content. content i'm here to tell you folks good content doesn't always equal victories <laughs> no it does not well to me it shows you what we were just saying a minute ago it perfectly illuminates just how these people view politics and again it's not as uh, some sort of vision for bettering people's lives. Uh, this is not a profound or original statement, but it's interesting to see the mechanics of it work out in real time. Yeah. They fundamentally distrust and even loathe mass movements. Yeah. <laughs> and so the the hack that they've developed to get around that is by figuring out how to manage people through... Ma- social through, media. Social media, through algorithms, it, while at the same time catering to their individuality and right. their expression, you know, their ability to express themselves. Um, and that has worked. It's worked for a while. But I'm starting to think that um, it's not going to work for much longer. The jig is up. The jig might be up. Especially because it failed so catastrophically this year and in 2016. Yeah. Part of the lead that I've buried here is that the two people who developed Shadow, which Tara McGowan bought, or former Hillary staffers. Right. So, um, let's see. Uh, when reached, many of her competitors declined to comment. Privately, Washington consultants griped that her nonprofit umbrella model is duplicitous because she still could still be paying herself exorbitant amounts through the private company. And I guarantee you, she is. <laughs> she absolutely is. You don't throw open bars on the in the trendy huge street. 
neighborhoods. No, that- no. If you're yeah, if you're just like going out there taking one for the cause, right? Just living paycheck to paycheck for the cause, fucking drinking at trendy right. <laughs> restaurants. McGowan has also advocated for building in-house digital teams at her previous stops, another blow to consultants that could foster distrust. As Tara has demonstrated at Priorities USA, much to my dismay, you get the better results and more efficiency. I don't know what the fuck these people are talking about. McGowan is well aware of her detractors. She believes there are two types of people in politics. Those who are... Mo- Honestly, I, I'm sure this aged well. <laughs> those who are motivated by money and those who are motivated by power. She wants power. She literally stole that off House of Cards. <laughs> that's I a, know. That's a literal line off she, House of Cards. That's exactly right. Yeah. She, she like, like her icon and hero, Hillary Clinton, probably runs around with Kevin Spacey. Right, exactly. <laughs> Like, it is incredible to me, like, how much the Epstein stuff was the nexus of everything wrong with what has been going on the last decade. Listen, here's the thing. If you are a liberal of any stripe except for, like, Bernie Sanders, if nothing else, don't you want to kind of distance yourself from the fucking, like, fucking Weinstein, Epstein? They don't know how. Fucking milieu? They don't know how. They, they for so long. Because all your heroes are vouching for all these guys. Still, kind of. <laughs> Who could have known? Hillary said, who could have known? known? Who could have known? I don't think they know how. I think that they're like, it's been like that for so long. They're just like, oh, oh, so we can't do that. That's not what you can do when you get to power. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck. Just amazing, really. Um, Wow. Uh, So anyways, those motivated by money, those motivated by power. She wants power, which means winning elections to enact the policies she believes in. I'm going to go ahead go out on a limb here and say she doesn't believe in any policies. She really doesn't believe in anything. <laughs> Too often in any industry, a drive for profit can lead to greed, and I think that can blur the lines of real objective here, she says. This could be an election that changes entirely how campaigns are run. It could be a catalyst. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> but not how you think not it's going to be. Not how you think it's going <laughs> to be. <Yeah. laughs> so, um, profiles encouraged. Tara McGowan... You know, the thing about our Profiles and Courage series is, like, you got some real heroes in there. Mary Toft. And um, I think Fess Whitaker is a hero. Uh, Franz Reichelt, hero. Hey, right, then you got some real degenerates in there, like Giacomo Castano. Yeah. Then you got Tara here. She's a wild and crazy girl, man. <laughs> throwing all these parties, these fucking keggers. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's man. like, let's throw a heller and make an app. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, you know, like, we're sitting here recording as more and more, uh, like, as this unravels more and more, as this reveals itself more and more to be a complete and to- total clusterfuck. Yeah. Just a catastrophe. <laughs> of the highest order. <laughs> yes. On an epic scale. And they, and they won't be able to get away with this in New Hampshire, I don't think. Iowa's a caucus, which apparently makes it, I mean, very undemocratic, but I don't think they're getting away with it now either. It's, you know, it's, I think they tried to by revealing the whole, you know, by um, slowly revealing all the numbers, withholding all the numbers and, you know. If they do this at every, at every stop. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be insane. But I mean, the... 
I just don't see who's got another path to the nomination now. Well, this is the thing to me about the people pearl-clutching over Bernie or Bust. It's like the majority of people are with Bernie. You don't realize. <laughs> now it's like it, it the choice you have there, Mr. Uh, pearl-clutcher, is Bernie or Bust. I mean, that's really it. Yeah. Either you're going to vote for Bernie or you're not. <laughs> and because nobody else is going to win. <laughs> right. So make your choice now. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know. To me, I mean, in all in this whole show, all the fucking time we spent uh, criticizing electoral politics, the fascinating thing to me about all this is that this event has simultaneously proven correct, proven us correct and false about many things. Right. It's proven us correct in the sense that, like, there are all these structural barriers and all the things that we thought were going to exist. Incorrect in the sense that you actually can harness MAF's movements with all kinds of uh, platforms and tools and all this other shit, but yeah. most importantly with a message that actually is coherent and is simple and makes sense yeah. and people feel passionate about. You can harness all this stuff to actually sort of, you know, go against the fucking elite, go up against the forces of capital. Right. Um, and so even knowing all that, it's still been pretty shocking, though, to see them try it. Well, also just sort of the feeble tactics, too. Yeah. Like, I was expecting some, like, high-level fucking just, like, whatever. It's like an app. A I, malfunctioning app is going to be your out. And a malfunctioning app by a partying fail daughter <laughs> is what's going to be your unraveling. A malfunctioning app, a... um. A half-assed coin toss by, like, a 19-year-old. <laughs> that shit was amazing, man. Like, I they mean, could, they... Just... They just send the corniest people out for us. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. They're sending the corniest... And if we can't beat them, maybe we should just fucking just crawl back up. into a hole. Yeah. Hang, hang it up. Become black-pilled nihilists and write fucking romance novels about Frankenstein. Right, that kind of <laughs> shit. Yeah, exactly. Because if we can't beat these assholes, yeah, we don't deserve... We don't deserve anything. We don't deserve the trust of the masses or the fucking... Uh, of history, you know, the trajectory of history or any of that. No, no, no. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it feels good to be a winner. <laughs> it, it does. does. It feels good to be proven right and true and... It does, especially... Let Tom Perez go ahead and run his little recam. That's what he needs to do. We're just going to go ahead and steamroll the rest of them while he's doing that. It feels good to be a winner. It feels good to be validated. It feels good, uh, you know, having lost friends literally and on social media 2016 saying that Bernie would have won. It feels validating to be like, well, he did, and he probably won in 2016, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to read Canvas of all 2016. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's the thing. Think about that. Think about we lost four crucial fucking years to that, doing anything meaningful on climate change just to pave the way. For, just, just well, also just to placate fucking Hillary Clinton. Yes, exactly. You know what just, I mean? Or, or, just, or rather, not placate necessarily, but uh, to... To preserve her pristine legacy. That's exactly right. Yeah. Like, the amount of time we waste on the whims of the elite yeah. is fucking incredible. Yeah. And then, that's it. and then that's the thing. That's another choice. It's like, to me, it's like, those are your two choices. Waste your fucking time on the whims of the elite. Go with Bloomberg. Or fucking join something that might actually change. I, I'm going to tell you something. I hope everybody that's got behind Bloomberg just holds their fucking head in shame. 
Yeah. Like a Thelties in 300, you know, the hunchback trader. <laughs> may you all, may you live forever, John Cougar Mellencamp. Who is a blue, uh, yeah, so it was, it was a, Bloomberg, a Bloom guy. Bloomberg yeah. guy. Yeah. I saw something fascinating today um, on Twitter. Let's see if I can find it real fast. From, I think he's a friend of the show. I'm not sure if he listens. If he doesn't, it's no knock on him. <laughs> um, but a very smart guy. Uh, Gabriel Wynant. I hope I said that right. Do you know who that is? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he had an interesting little thread. He said, a couple of years ago, a friend and I started working on an essay drawing a structural comparison between the rule of finance, especially post-2008, and the absolutist state. Both emerged as centralizing responses to crises of extraction of social surplus. In each case, the ruling class had to gather under the umbrella of the sovereign, become its franchisees more or less directly in order to reproduce themselves as a class. The ultimate political consequence of this in the absolutist case was the invention of social revolution. Before there was a Versailles, you could not overthrow the state in that way. And that's why you got the French Revolution. The somewhat... He didn't say that. I need to note that that's That's just the editor's note. That's the editor's note. The somewhat speculative upshot in our moment was that, similar to absolutism, the rule of finance means that social struggles meet hard limits in their local instantiations and so are referred upward toward a central summit. And this is the organic logic of Bernieism, basically. Um... It was, he said, he writes that it was an attempt to account for the fact, I suppose, that it seems easier to elect the most left wing president in history than to organize a medium sized workplace into a union. Which is, I, I think that that is true. Yeah. I don't know. It seems right because it is very fucking difficult to organize a union. Yeah. Not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it. In fact, I think that that's probably should be your biggest priority. And then you plug that union's energy into a, presidential campaign right. like this but i but i i think he's got the basic contours of it right like we kind of live in in almost a sort of quasi-feudal world yeah i a lot of people would disagree with that but it feels very feudalistic to me in many ways i yeah. mean look at fucking these prison towns we've got <laughs> like, yeah um i don't know i guess the difference is that we aren't serfs anymore but but anyways i guess the thing um you know, we've got maybe 10 more minutes here, but, like, the thing that has just been occurring to me more and more since Monday is, like, how much longer... And, and it's in, it's fascinating that this primary has occurred. It's concurrent with the impeachment trials and the State of the Union. And so it's fascinating to me to see how much people can continue to labor under the pretense, under the charade, the facade, the kayfabe or whatever. Yeah. You know, and, and and I just have to ask you again, it's like how much longer can you, how much longer can you live under that? How much longer can you live under the pretense that this is a democracy? And you know what I mean? Because Greatest this, country on earth. I mean, yeah, this is the thing I struggle with, and, I've, and I told you this yesterday. It's like with an election like this, it's like, you start to wonder how much of it's rigged, you know, because all everything is mystified. You start to wonder how much of it's rigged and how much of it is a result of ineptitude and ideology and all this. Right. And and the thing is, just like with the Epstein stuff, is that like it all still has to have like a semblance of of uh, a veneer of a veneer reality of, of or of legitimacy. Right. Right. Because that's we're still in that weird interregnum period. But that is dying. It's yeah. going away. 
And so it's like, I just have to ask liberals, because this is the thing, like, weirdly enough, there are liberals that listen to our show. I don't know if that's the case for Chapo or any of these other shows, but I do know that we have liberals that listen to this show. And so I have to ask you, like, how much longer can you continue under the pretense without fully fucking going insane? I mean, I hit that a long time ago. I blew through that a long time ago. Right. But, like, how much longer can you continue to sit in these meetings and talk about things? Talk about that are not real. Yes, yes, exactly. Just, I mean, like, or that are real. You talk about the problems, but what you're saying, what do you, but like, I'm talking about like solutions to problems that are like sort of um, pre programmed as part of the kayfabe, I guess, as you might say. Yeah. I think. now we've talked something we've talked about is sort of like the sort of neoliberal order we're under is is creates these fake problems to like push out workers and to create sort of the uber class of whatever that problem is you know what i'm right. saying yeah. to you know like just like you know creating problems that don't really exist so you can like make minor improvements to the inconvenience factor of those problems and then selling it back to you <laughs> right, right. Yeah. it's like we just live in a world that we redo that every day every single day every single day and, and it applies to everything not just like you know doordash or <laughs> lyft or whatever the case may be you know and the point of it all is to atomize you at the most fundamental level and that's also the point of the shadow app yeah. And that's the point of Democratic Party politics is to atomize you, yeah. to put you into a common space where you can be managed, but your individuality can be catered to and maintained. And maintained, yeah. But but that's called atomization. Yeah. And it's lonely and you're by yourself. And, and I was listening to this speech that Adam Curtis gave recently where he was talking about like, okay, individualism can be great. You know, it can be very great. But you are also alone. You're yeah. completely alone. So guess what happens when the world starts to get really bad and you're completely alone? <laughs> it's not looking good for yeah. you, my friend. Enjoy your cult of self, but uh, <laughs> you're going to need people. We're going to need each other. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so like, that's, I think that is fundamentally why these people hate the Bernie campaign so much. Yeah. They see solidarity in bonds. Well, and, 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 and also, too, the other thing is like, individualism is what they've what they is their politics yeah you know what i'm saying it's like if you even look at i don't know how you would call it i mean it's weird because they pay lip service to this idea of like you know coming together we need to form these coalitions and all this kind of stuff but in what they're selling back to you it's all about cultivating the self it's all about being individual be this and be that and they see something like the bernie thing where we have these deep sort of visceral relationships with people we don't even know. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. And that scares them because there's there's actual power in that. Like I would I would go to the mat for any of these motherfuckers. I, I anybody in my replies on Twitter, it, it, you know, any of those people. It's, it's 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 exactly what it is because yeah, Adam Curtis has this documentary series, Century of the Self, where he talks about Edward Bernays, who was Freud's cousin. Yeah. And Edward Bernays figured out that you could, by studying people in focus groups and, um, you know, getting feedback on the kinds of things that they like and stuff, you could, you know, easily atomize them and sell them more products. Consumers are better consumers when they're atomized. Right. And that's why Bernie kills them so much, because the Bernie movement is not full of atomized 
you know, consumers who consume politics the same way you would toothpaste or yeah. any other fucking product. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good and point. And that's why it drives them fucking And crazy. also another thing I think to that, atomized point to like being better consumers, the, the sort of the sad, like tragic sort of irony of that is, is like you're buying and consuming to be more of an individual so you will actually gain acceptance into something. Exactly. Broader. You know what but I'm this, saying? You don't have to fucking buy anything no. or, or express yourself. No. I mean, you, it'd be nice if you threw $2.70 out or $27 well, right, or right. whatever. Right, right. Or $69 even or $4.20 <laughs> or whatever you're putting out there. But you don't but even you don't have, have to do that. that. No. You just have to want a better fucking world. You yeah. have to give You have to give up a part of yourself to something yeah. greater. Yeah. I mean, dude, I mean, like, ever since I was telling you this last week, like, I've been feeling more optimistic I've also been feeling a little less depressed in the sense that, like, a lot of my depression probably stems from, like, hopelessness and pointlessness of existence and all that. But, like, it's been pretty fucking nice lately to be like, man, billionaires might be back on the menu. Yeah. Like, that's good. You talk about helping people with mental health. Medicare for all would help, but eating oil executives would also be really good. Well, here's what's what's interesting (laughs) about all that. Here's what's interesting about all that. I just thought, you know, back when we were doing the ultra left song and dance, <laughs> okay? Back in those days. Like Stick I, a pin in that, but yeah. Okay, okay. So, you know, like, like, I mean, how, how should I say this? Basically, I just, I, I thought, well, okay, even if Bernie wins, they're not, I mean, not much is really going to change, right? Because like, is this, that... But seeing these people quake and actually becoming genuinely yeah. undone by his surging, and now what's looking more and more like an inevitability, at least to win the nomination. That's like, that's good. Dude, I had the exact same thought today. Yeah. Like, because, okay, first of all, the the whole ultra-left thing. Yeah. You got to keep in mind, like, a lot of people's politics are based on their immediate environments and contexts. Right. We live in eastern Kentucky. The fucking, we're literally, it's flooding right now. It's an apocalyptic scene. Well, to, to tell people what we're dealing with here, <laughs> all the roads are washed out. It's not going to stop raining until it starts snowing in three days. It, no, yes, that's exactly and right. And then it's going to snow several inches on top of all this flooding, which is yeah. like a climate change. What do you prepare? How do you prepare yes, for that? It is, it is. 100% climate change derived. Yeah. So, like, a lot of our... And so, you know, we live in this crumbling place where, like, coal has fucking left and where we are also pretty atomized. But we also live in this place where, like, nonprofits are still around and sort of have hegemony and all this. And so it's like... I think any person who's been on the left, like we have for... I'm, personally, I've been on the left for about a decade now, would be pretty skeptical about any kind of... Anything presenting itself is electorally facing. Right. But you're right. The more I was thinking about it, the more I've been thinking about it since Monday, seeing them come out like this um, and being so antagonistic leads me to believe that there's, like, Bernie would not, and I, I may eat my words here, I could be entirely wrong, but he would be very foolish to just get into office and then start governing, like, Obama or that you know any or even Warren it seems to me that like by virtue of the fact that he is already so antagonistic to these forces and they are to him that he actually will be interested not just out of self-interest but also from his own ideology and all perspective and all this 
in actually making deep-reaching changes to the society. And this is, again, this goes back to what we were saying earlier, the challenge to liberals. is like, do you want to sit around for 20 more years? Keep in mind, 20 fucking years ago, George Bush lost the election but became president. Do you want to sit around for 20 more years bellyaching about the fucking electoral college and not doing shit about it? Yeah. You want to spend 20 more years talking about climate change? You want to spend 20 more? I mean, like, every item down the list, this whole fucking society is just well, rickety tw- and all, ancient. All, all those things, though, man, take a back seat to, because this the rallying cry has been seared into their brain so much, all they think about is the number one priority is beating Trump. Yeah. And you remember, like, when we were talking yesterday and we were talking about, like, how that Democrats and liberals sort of take their cues from the Republicans. Yeah. And like they're just, they're, that's sort of their daddy. All that is is they see that Mitch McConnell's politics have got purchase and that he has somehow managed to impose his will on our society, potentially for decades, if you're talking about padding out the judiciary and all this stuff. And they're saying, this is a very Mitch McConnell thing to say. Our number one priority is beating Trump. Because it's the inverse of the number one priority is, sto- is stopping Barack Obama. Right. Or whatever. You know, the Mitch McConnell's famous line about. It's exactly right. Obstructing Obama. That is exactly right. And it's like, no, that's what works. They say, that's what works. So we're just going to do the liberal version of that. <laughs> and they don't understand that in order for that to work, you have to already be deeply entrenched and be in the lead. Exactly. And you're not in the lead. Because <laughs> when you had your mandate, you fucking squandered it. That is exactly right. Like, they have this idea that a guy like Pete Buttigieg is going to come out of the woodworks and become Mitch McConnell or something. No. <laughs> it's like, no. You have no understanding of how power works. No. None. No. Zero. No. Go take your little fucking bread rat boy and fucking <laughs> throw him in a ditch somewhere. Yeah. Well, going into this, uh, Monday is the New Hampshire primary We've got a rat problem that needs to be exterminated. We got a rat problem. <laughs> it is funny that that pizza rat was like a big cultural figure. Now it's like pizza rat. You know that? That's pretty funny. And that pizza has been this um, sort of symbol of uh, elite pederasty. Yeah, <laughs> on the last scale, <laughs> it's full circle, man. All right, yeah, so anyways, if you want to fucking get rid of the Epsteins and Weinsteins of the world, if you want to fix everything wrong with all the things you fucking complain about every day, then fucking just get on board. Just get on board and quit being a little fucking bitch about it. (laughs) God damn it. I mean, because, like, again, if you try to do the whole fucking moralizing high moral ground... What about the, there's children at the concentration camps that can't afford to be this privileged? It's just like motherfucker. Like, uh, listen, here's the thing about this: every person I've seen make that argument is a Harvard professor or grad student. No, literally, I know. Literally, that's mind literally. blowing. <laughs> so I want every each and every one of you to suck my fucking dick. <laughs> is what I want you to do. Seriously, Full stop. Seriously, that's, that's nothing it. else. That's it. That's it. And <laughs> I want you to else. come to a place like where I'm from because you fuckers wouldn't survive the smell of this fucking place. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> oh my serious. god. My god. Oh my god. Are they burning coal in their house? <laughs> You're right, man. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the most fascinating thing to me. Seeing all these fucking, like, all these people I thought were these brilliant, like, intellectuals and, like, people who, like, understood colonialism and all this shit. Just, just bankrupt shills, man. Just complete fucking either shills or idiots. Or idiots. They're just compl- Yeah. 
you can write all these wonderful sentences about the finer <laughs> points of colonial imperialism, and yet, Buttigieg. Buttigieg. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Warren. It's so fucking sick, name day. There it is, and I'm tell you something. I mean, like it's it's gonna be highway time around here. Like when I'm saying, like these motherfuckers wouldn't know what to do in a place like this. Let me tell you just a, a smattering of things that I've heard happening here. So I told you about my friend Scott. You know, that we got broken in on. And oh, yeah. I, I, Scott survived, but not unscathed, right, okay? Right, right. Uh, I'll show you a picture of that later. Anyway, listen to this shit, dude. Like, I was talking to Brandon Blake, you know, up at the courthouse. Yeah. And he was like, man, we're just like, things have gotten so bad here that we're starting to see violent crime like we've never seen here. He said there was this kid, it's like a 12-year-old kid that was like dealing drugs for this guy, like this guy in his 20s. And they go meet at the uh, racetrack at Isom, like the, oh, the dirt track at Isom. Oh, yeah. And this kid pulls up on his bicycle to get like the drugs, like whatever he's going to go sell for this guy, pills or whatever it is. And the kid has a fucking sawed-off shotgun on a bicycle. And shoots the guy, doesn't hit him, grazes his leg, okay, and tries to rob the guy. Yeah. Like, he's going to kill this dude, like, shoot this dude and rob him. And I right. guess he didn't know, like, if you're shooting somebody with a shotgun, the fight's kind of over. Like, right. you don't come back from getting shot with a shotgun, usually. <laughs> right. Uh, tried to rob this guy, and this guy pulls out a 9 millimeter. And this kid's getting away on his bicycle. This guy's drugs, and this guy's shooting. He misses the kid. He gets away. A fucking gunfight at the a ice. Gunfight on a one with a twelve-year-old kid on a bicycle and a dude in his twenties. God damn it! Dude. Just apocalyptic, man. Meanwhile, the fucking creek spilling over the banks. Creek spilling over the banks. We're getting ready to get snow on top of that. Here's, here's this is crazy. Remember me telling you a story about? I don't believe this shit. There's got to be something with this. Remember me telling you a story about the, the there's a tape at the at the courthouse of the woman that gets baptized yeah and she comes up dry yes and runs out like and everybody's like like the thing that the sheriffs do is they haze the deputies and make them watch that tape alone by themselves in the dark. <laughs> well, apparently they found that woman laying naked in a stream up at Thornton in like freezing weather. She had like severe hypothermia. She ended up living. What? But they found that woman, that same woman from the video, in the creek at Isov, what naked. What the fuck? I mean, dude, there's something going on here. Like, it's like fucking True Detective season one shit. Like, <laughs> well, the around. difference is that you've moved, and so it's you're more attuned to it now. Whereas I am here every day, and like, yeah, I'm just well, kind of well, that makes sense. I've normalized it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, of course, the yeah. the mysterious river woman. <laughs> Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird, man. A bunch of robberies and shit. Yeah. There's it dude, it's bad. But the thing is, is like you made the, an excellent point on Twitter, which is the other day, which is that like I'm from a very sick place and listening to these people prevaricate and hedge and be totally disingenuous. Yeah. Like it's just fucking maddening. Yeah. Like that guy who was on MSNBC or whatever the past few nights melting down about Bloomberg not being an oligarch or something. Do you see that guy, Jason Johnson or whatever? Fuck you, it's Jason. It's just Johnson. like I can't fucking do this much longer, man. I can't fucking do it. No. I can't. And I and I know for a fact a lot of other motherfuckers are at that point too. Yeah. <laughs> so 
get on board or get eaten. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, it. That's it, This man. doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be violence. It doesn't have to be bad. Like we've said, there are plenty of resources. We know enough about computers and algorithms to allocate resources and wealth. This doesn't have to be bad. You get to pick how you want it to be. Yeah. That's all I have to say That's about it. That's all I got to say, yeah. <laughs> so we can do it the easy way. <laughs> we can do it the easy and way. We can do it the hard way. we can do it the hard way. Make no mistake. If you don't choose the easy way, you're going to get the hard way. <laughs> exactly right. And uh, God help us. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening this week. We got a uh, Patreon episode every Sunday. Also, let me go ahead and just tell you, I'm not going to say what we have up our sleeve for this coming week, but you probably want to go ahead and subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah. You really want to go ahead and subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah. If you really want yeah. the good shit. I agree. I, I Is that this week? Yeah, that's this week. Or I guess not this Sunday, but the next Sunday, I guess is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we got some good stuff lined up for you. Yeah, not this Sunday. For but you mother following Sunday we got For you little assholes. A very, 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 very special treat that you should For your little assholes, we've got a treat for you. We've got a treat for you. It's bleach. It's bleach. We're gonna bleach all your holes. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're ready. All right. Subscribe to the Patreon. P A T R E O N dot com slash Trillbilly Workers Party. We will see you on Sunday. Goodbye.